Welcome to Identity Church Sunday Morning Message, where sonship is revealed. Stay tuned at the end of this message to receive more information about resources available through Identity Church. Now grab your Bible, sit back, and enjoy a message from Identity Church that is already in progress. I want to, I want to share a little bit this morning, and, and then um, Papa Lou is going to come. I want to. I'm going to go make it real biblical here. Let's let's go to First Corinthians, chapter four, verse nine. I'm doing nine through. I'm doing the trans, uh, the Passion translation. Verse nine. It seems to me that God has appointed us apostles to be at the end of the line. Now, he, you know, at the. King James is at the end of the procession. In other words, the guy at the end of the parade cleans up the horse's mess. There's your picture of an apostle. We clean up messes. We are like those on display at the end of the procession as doomed gladiators soon to be killed. If you are called to be an apostle, you must be called by God. And I'm going to tell you, it'll cost you everything to function at that level. We have become a theatrical spectacle to all creation, both to people and to angels. Do you understand apostles operate in both realms? We are fools for Christ, but you are wise in Christ. Now, here's the Apostle Paul. He's talking to his spiritual children. He goes, we're fools, you're wise. In other words, if, if, if you're allowing us to father you, we may look like crazy people to the world and to the angelic, but you are the offspring of our wisdom, and you're wise. We are frail, and we are not powerful. You are celebrated. We are humiliated. If you see us now, you'll find that we are hungry and thirsty, poorly clothed, brutally threatened, and with no roof over our heads. Being an apostle in the first century church was not something glamorous but it was supernatural in birthing the church family of its day. And anyway, I lost my place. We work hard, toil with our own hands. When people abuse and insult us, we respond with a blessing. And then severely, when severely persecuted, we endure it with patience. When we are slandered incessantly, oh, repeatedly, same thing. We always answer gently, ready to reconcile. Um, when I've read these scriptures and God had called me to be walk in the office of apostle, these haunted me. That section right there haunted me for a while because I'd rather fight with you than agree with you. I would rather take you out to the woodshed than bless you. It's taken a while, which, which means maturity has to be there to walk in that office. When we are slandered incessantly, we always answer gently, ready to reconcile. Even now, in the world's opinion, we are nothing but filth and the lowest scum. <clears throat> Out of the fivefold offices, the gifting of the apostle, in my opinion, fits the gifting of a father that lays down his life to get the wisdom to teach his children. The apostle Paul talks many times to the people that he's as children. My children, I took fathering responsibility. I've laid my life down. I've learned some things the hard way. 
So you don't have to learn it the hard way. Okay? And so as, as I've come into maturity, I realized when the Lord said to me 25 years ago, I'm not going to make it easy on you. Because the day is going to come, I'll send people to you. And what took you years, they'll do in months. What took you months, they'll do in days. What you did in days, many things they'll get by the power of your blessing. It's right there, the blessing. So I've had people get crazy with me, trash me, and then two years later come back and like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, you're an idiot. And I'm learning to bless. It was interesting this morning, Father's Day, I had multiple people send me text messages emails and say, happy Father's Day. Thank you for fathering me, even though I was an idiot. There's probably another number right there. And, uh, but, but what is it? it? It's the maturing of that apostolic. Hmm? Yeah, I know. Well, something's bright around here. I'm glad we have your attention on my phone. It'll stop. I have the gift of ignore. How about you? There's Kevin Mancuso. Happy Father's Day. Okay, so, so what I'm saying is that when you step into true apostolic grace, this true apostolic gifting, the Kevin Mancuso's that were here for five years still consider you pops. Because it was time for him to move. It was time for him to blossom. It was time for him to take what he learned. And, and I'm proud of him. But I got multiple texts of people who I'm not in day-to-day -day relationship with who consider me a father. Why? Because I believe I matured into my apostolic gifting. Now, I can be a prophet. We'll leave it at there. Um, <clears throat> and so this morning, the, 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 uh, when, when I said, okay, Papa Jack's not coming, Lord, what do I do? He says, be fluid, and um, I want you to go before, um, before iPads. This is a box that I've had since I got saved. It's... Notes, words, stack. And I have two of these of the father fathering me. And what do I, what do I, what I mean by that? Uh, the father has fathered me. Oh, my Lord. Here's, a, here's an ex-employee of my company. Happy Father's Day. Um, I got a, I got a, a, a verse First uh, John chapter 227, years ago when I was struggling and wanted a spiritual father. I didn't have a Lou in my life. I didn't have a Papa Jack in my life. And God said that he was not willing to give me one because I wasn't trustworthy enough to have a spiritual father. Okay, that's a hard word. <clears throat> and I, I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you'd prostitute him. Here's the word, but the uh, first, first John two twenty seven. But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you all things, it is truth and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. So I took that scripture like I don't need a spiritual father, but that doesn't line up with the maturing process of the gospel. The apostle Paul said, "My children." So that means there's fathers. And I was connected to a bunch of spiritual fathers who, who didn't or God would not allow them to father me because they would have molded me in their image, not his. 
And so God would not let me have a spiritual father at that time. He fathered me. This is how he fathered me. In my Bible reading, my study, and my journey, he gave me words of knowledge. How many have read the book From Rape to Righteousness? I, I, till this morning, I didn't realize. Here's what he said to me 22 years ago. You're starting to become strong enough to become vulnerable now. Then I wrote that book. Um, I was feeling guilty, I did, and, and I didn't know how to um, walk in freedom, but I was guilty. Guilt's not of God, Right? Oh, here's what he said. Guilt is the result of unrepented conviction. You won't repent. Quit shooting at guilt when you have a way to get rid of it. Repent. I'm like, I don't like you either. I'm going to make you battle for the blessings. Therefore, you value them. Early on, because you all know my lifestyle. If a man will not cheat on his God, he'll never cheat on his wife. Thank you, Father, for giving me time to trust and time to turn my feelings into faith. Yeah, that's personal. Character is doing right when I have the right to do wrong. My oldest son, who's working on his PhD, real smart guy, he encouraged me a lot in the last month on some of you know, the books and things. This is my third water-only fast that I did. I found this this morning. I'm fasting for these reasons. Jason, for me to have the right heart and wisdom for Jason to get it right with Jesus. He was, a, he was addicted to drugs at this point. For the spirit of lust must go in Jesus' name, and it must seek the purity of Christ only. That's what I fasted for. I fasted for what church do you want me to belong to? Then I fasted for power to walk in the power of the spirit with boldness and to be able to preach with power. I say this is that he's a father to the fatherless. And some of you, some of us, I definitely was for a season, did not have a spiritual father because I was not trustworthy enough with the father's word. I had not matured to that. Let's go into verse 14 of this. I'm not writing this to embarrass you or to shame you, but to correct you as a children, as the children I love. For although you could have countless babysitters in Christ telling you what you're doing wrong, you don't have many fathers who correct you in love. But I'm a true father to you. For I became your father when I gave you the gospel and brought you into union with Jesus, the anointed one. So I encourage you, my children, 
to follow the example that I live before you. Verse 17, that's why I sent you, my dear son, Timothy, whom I love. He is faithful to the Lord Yahweh and will remind you of how I conduct myself as one who lives in union with Jesus, the anointed one, and of the teachings I bring to every church everywhere. The father-son paradigm is, in my fact, uh, my opinion, um, a non-negotiable. But once, once you've allowed Jesus to come and do his work, he introduces you to the Father. And when you've been introduced to the Father, your identity comes into true alignment of who you are and the requirements of the Father. One of the things is maturity comes in the Christian faith. If the Father says, I really love Lou here, and I'm going to sacrifice you for his salvation. Huh? Oh, didn't you sing that song, I Want to Be Like Jesus? Isn't that what he did for Jesus? And that's that gentleness. That's that grace. That's that I can overlook an issue. I can, for, for the sake of the better cause. And that's being fathered. I, I was laying there this morning. And I, my boss, who's definitely not a Christian, but I've quoted my own father so many times to her. She now quotes it back to me when she wants to correct me. And she has no problem tuning me up. She says, let me quote your father to you. This is last week. I said, yeah, I have a bunch more if you want some. She goes, let's go with the one I learned. If you stay flexible, you won't get bent out of shape. And all of a sudden, the air came out of my because I was about to be been out of shape. And here, and I realized the influence of my father has come out of my mouth so much that I've influenced my boss against me. <laughs> so as I'm becoming a big mouth, growing maturity, my mouth always got me in trouble with people. And it didn't, didn't stop when I started preaching. But as a, as a youngster, my dad would say to me, he says, your mouth is getting you in trouble and people don't want to walk with you. He says, so I'm going to do this. If you don't stop shooting off your mouth, I'm going to cut a hole in your lip and run your leg through it. That'll stop it. I'm like, <laughs> and I have these flashes in my head about the time I'm about to get stupid with my mouth is what is coming out of my mouth that's going to hinder my walk that I can't do what the apostle Paul said, walk the way I walk. That's the picture I see. My daddy gave me that picture. And so that is, that is, that is something that stops me from being, you know, I can find Stupidville without a map. But that same passion, I can find a mountain that you can't see. So you don't want to kill the passion of it. You want to get the wisdom of it. Does that make sense? And so I'm done, but Papa Lou's going to come up and share. How'd you like that introduction? This man, I got around this man, and uh, it was shortly after Papa Jack had come into my life, and that was such a, a, a great time. And I, I, I met him. We were in, at Cracker Barrels down in Kissimmee. 
Got in the car. I said to Papa Jack, I met a man who carries the same spirit you have. He goes, really? I said, this guy's a father. And, and he not only did I was prophetic enough to discern it, I watched him father me and help me not to shoot myself in the foot with everybody in ministry. He, he, he protected me. He counseled me. He, on multiple occasions, he's given me wisdom because he's, he, he's an apostle. He's a church guy. He, he has responsibility over churches. But I said to Jack, this guy carries the same thing. You know what Jack Taylor said? Well, I need to meet him. Now, I was still wrestling with this father-son paradigm, and I was wrestling with Papa Jack. And one of the questions I had to God, I said, what makes Jack different? I mean, I've seen a lot of anointed people. What makes Jack Taylor different? And he says, I'll show you. And we met, and we went and spent the whole day. Him and Papa Jack spent the whole day. When we left to drop him off the car, I was weeping. I'm like, God, what did I just see today? I saw two successful, older, spiritual apostles, spiritual fathers, display why they're both successful. I didn't catch it till I was on the way home because I had asked God a question several weeks earlier. What makes Jack Taylor, his fathering, so pure? I want to know the key. And when he got around this guy, Papa Jack got on his knees and asked him to pray for him. He saw the fathering in Lou. And Jack, who's the father over hundreds of people, valued the fathering enough to become a son and ask for father's blessing. As I'm driving home with tears, he says, that was what you asked. What's Jack's key to keep his father impure? He always pursues his own sonship. And he found a man who had something that he needed. I remember his words. He says, we don't find this. He says, at my age, I don't find a lot of us. And he, and he wanted his blessing. And that's what is pure. So when Papa Lou comes around, you shut up. Thank you. Praise God. Wow, this is really a special time. I trust you're sensing it in the spirit. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about that day when you and I met. You call, I don't even remember how you ever heard of me, but anyway. And you started me on a journey. Okay, let how many of you know that fake news didn't start when Trump became president? <laughs> Actually, fake news goes back to the garden. When the enemy said, hath God said. That's where fake news started. And the enemy's been using it ever since. In every realm. Perhaps especially in what we call religion. And so... You're called Identity Church today, and that's one of the main things the enemy fights, is who God says we are, who he says he is, right? We're here to celebrate who he really is today. So as we met, and 
and Brother Charlie started sharing about fathering through the years because it it's just when Jesus said, let no man call you father, that little scripture, the enemy used that against me to be willing to declare being a father. And and even though I didn't have those terms, you know, you, you long for that. You long to have a father. You long to have someone that you can fellowship with. And, and God put someone in my life that I thought was a father to me. He even said to me once, he says, you're like a son to me. And I thought, wow, that's good. That's what I want. And then we came into a situation where I knew he thought I was going down towards a cliff and he didn't try to stop me. And I realized, even though I wasn't going, it just was his perception, but I, re I realized that at that time, and he didn't have any children in the natural, he didn't really know how to be a father. And so I looked and I, I called another friend who was older and like, he's definitely one of the most prophetic men I knew. And I asked him, would you watch over me? He said, yeah, but he didn't know what that meant either. So when we met and you told me about Papa Jack, I had a desire to meet him too. And I was blown away by him saying, I need you. I thought, well, what do you mean? <laughs> no, I need you. <laughs> what are you talking about? And, uh, and yeah, what a privilege to get to know him and to see. And then when we were together, we were together in Pennsylvania. And you called me out and made some declarations over me. I'm telling you, it, it, it's just made a difference in my life. I, I just want you to know, and I thank you. And even during the Sela time, this quarantine, Sela time, yeah, the time out from God, he's really been working in us to see how to come into that in a greater way. Because I remember I said to you, I'm, I'm going to take that seriously, and I've, I've just never forgotten it. Appreciated the worship this morning because it wasn't a performance. It was a journey into God's heart jointly that's unfortunately sometimes rare to find and God's brought us all together with purpose here because it is a preparation to launch us you know he he gives you someone who has a father's heart he as, as leader and leaders to prepare us to become all that ourselves right because I think we are about to enter one of the greatest Harvest times this world has ever known. I, I really do. I, I, in fact, I think you're going to be challenged at how to how to make it all happen. But God will give wisdom in it all. Um. You, we sang about. God's blessing in generations from generation. Did you know that since if, if we count 40 years as a generation, and I think that's fair, you know, there's only been 150 generations since Adam. 
only 50 since Jesus. 50 times 42,000. 50 times, I mean, 150 times 46,000. Yeah, I mean, we think we're just getting started. <laughs> we're just getting started. But one of the lies that the enemy has placed on us is what the Father is really like. And it's partly because when you read the Old Testament, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you read the Old Testament and you read the New Testament, they don't exactly seem to be, God doesn't seem to be quite the same. But of course we know he is, because he's the same yesterday, what? So he is the same. So something's wrong in the perception. So let me just suggest this to you, that maybe we don't quite have the story right when we read it in the Old Testament, because Jesus tells us, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've what? So he becomes perfect theology. So he's really who the Father's like. Would that be true? And so if we don't see it that way, okay. So back to the, the story of the Exodus, the children of Israel. So, I mean, we, we looked at Jericho already, but before that, when they were still in Egypt, you know, God brought them out of Egypt, and it wasn't because he told them, if you do all these things, then I will bring you out. He just brought them out because he loved them. Right? That's what we call grace not based on any performance. And then when he brings them to the mount, which we just celebrated Pentecost, which is when they come to the mount, when God gave them what we call the law, the Torah, then we make, maybe we don't have that quite right either. But he gives them 10 words, and he writes them on two stones. And when you picture it, when people that have them, they have two stones and they have, you know, four commandments on the one and six on the other saying these are the ones that deal with God and these are the ones that deal with people. I'd like to just suggest that maybe that's not accurate because the word says that they were written on both sides. You could get all 10 commandments on one stone. And we know from history that whenever covenants were made, they would make two copies of it, one to give to the one party and the other for the other party. Well, because God knew that we couldn't keep it in our own strength anyway, he, both stones were put into the ark. And they were all written on one stone because they all deal with God. Because when we hurt each other, we hurt him. When we fail with each other, we, right? And so in those first two commandments, or actually words, we, we call them commandments, and then we try to live up to them, but they're just really words, and maybe they're promises. You know what? If you come to me, you won't have any other gods before you. If you come to me, you, you won't take my name in vain. Way different than thou shalt, yeah, right? Actually, one paraphrase of the fir first word is, I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not have anything between your face and mine. 
Remember one day I was worshiping the Lord and I said to him, Lord, it's all about you. And that's true. It is all about him. But he immediately spoke back to me and said, yes, but for me, it's all about you. And that is so hard for us to really believe, right? Isn't that the biggest challenge we have? We gather here every Sunday. We sing songs about who he says we are. We hear messages about who he says we are. And we walk out feeling sometimes, yeah, that might be true for you, but not for me. Now, probably none of you feel that way. I'm just telling you, people in Kissimmee have a challenge with this, <laughs> which is where I live. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? We, we, and it's, I think it's the biggest challenge we have today is believing what God says about us. And believing what he says about himself. So we sing about his blessing and his love. And, and usually, the song, usually the songs are pretty correct. And we sing them, but we don't believe them. But I'm telling you, we're coming to a time when we're, I do believe we're beginning to believe them. Yeah? We're beginning to get it. Not based on, did I have a bad hair day? Did I mess up today really bad? Is God not happy with me today? I had a friend, she, when we were pastoring in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, Canada. That's where we used to pastor, Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. It's the Canadian prairies. It's completely flat. It's so flat, they say you can see your dog run away for three days. I mean, it is flat. It's the first place I've ever been where you can, when you have a long train, you can see the whole train from front to back. It's called Big Sky Country. And uh, we, we, in those days, we used to have Sunday morning, Sunday evening services. And in the after, she was married to someone who didn't know the Lord. And in the afternoon, they watched a movie that she felt guilty about. And uh, that evening, she comes to worship and uh, to, to our gathering. And she's trying, she's trying to repent. You know, God, and, and all of a sudden, the Lord's presence just overwhelms her. And she says to him, Lord, how can you come to me like that? You saw what I did. And the Lord, for the first time she heard his voice that evening, the Lord said to her, I couldn't help myself. Because <laughs> that's who he is. He is a good father. He demonstrates it to us in the story of the prodigal son. He's a good father. He didn't hold him afar off. He was looking for him, and he ran to him, and he, I couldn't help myself. Shall not have anything between your face and mine. That's one of God's greatest desires is to live in an intimate relationship with every one of us. Not based on our performance, but based on his performance. Yeah? That's number one. And then the second word, you shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And we usually apply that to swearing, taking his name, using his name, right? Speaking his name at a time when it, yeah. Uh, someone wrote a book on this, Bearing His Name. So let me, uh, and as we were, I was coming this morning, I, I just, I felt this quickened to us for today. Bearing His Name, Papa's Name. 
Thou shalt not take his name in vain, really reads in the Hebrew, thou shalt not bear his name in vain. Because it's the same word that's used when the pre high priest in, in chapter 29, I think, of Exodus, when the high priest is given his ephod, told to take the 12 stones with the 12 tribes of Israel and to carry them, to bear them before God. It's the same word there. Thou shalt not bear his name in vain. But the translators couldn't imagine what, how to bear what that means, how to carry a name. So they said, take. But it's not, a, it's not a good translation. Because the Lord is interested not in just what we say, but in how we carry him to a lost and dying world. How we demonstrate who he is. How we bear him. How we carry him before the world. And I'm telling you, that's what God's after today. He, he wants us to get it. That he's not only in us in intimacy, but he's also in us so that we can demonstrate who he really is to a lost and dying world that desperately needs to know him. Yeah? To properly demonstrate to properly carry him in everything we do, not just using his name in vain. Is that all right? I believe that's what God's bringing us to right now. I think that's what he's after in all of us. I think that's what the Sila time has been all about. And, and, and probably the world... The world is in a better position to receive today than ever because there's such turmoil and there's fear. I mean, people are gripped with fear. By God's grace, I trust none of us are because we know that that's not God. And if we are, then we can go to him and say, Lord, remove this. This isn't you. I don't want it in my life. And then, and then this, the, the turmoil, the racial turmoil. You know what? It's got to be fixed. But Jesus already fixed it. But we are called to demonstrate it to a lost and to, to them. To show them that we really are all one and that we, yeah. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Yeah? To bear his name. Thou shalt not take his name. Thou shalt not bear his name in vain. I believe that we're about to enter a season where God's glory is going to be revealed. Who he is, doxa, glory in the New Testament, who he is and what he does. Kabod in the Old Testament, which means weight. Of heaviness. I think arise, shine, for your light has come, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. When gross darkness covers the earth, I think we're at least in a season of that. And I have a real expectation of seeing his glory revealed through me and you. And the Lord, uh, maybe five years ago, maybe more, yeah, more. Gave me a song. I don't write many songs, um, but I do believe he gave me this one. And so I want to sing it over you because we, my wife and I, and, and uh, 
sister in law, we just have started feeling like he gave me the song that long, but it's for now. And it goes like this if I can sing it. My glory shall be seen in all the earth, and my glory shall be seen upon my people. My glory shall be seen in all its splendor and its majesty. My glory shall be seen in all the earth. I really believe that, that God's glory shall be seen in all the earth and his glory shall be seen upon us. That's the way it's going to be seen in all the earth, is for us to demonstrate who he is and what he does. The best definition I know of glory, who he is and what he does. And I, I do believe that God has given you a leadership and brought you all together because this is one of the places that he wants to demonstrate that from. And let me just say, and not just to this local area, because it is for this local area, but, but I, think, I think it's more also for the nations. The Lord is calling us to begin looking to disciple nations, not just individuals. How to do that, what that looks like, I don't know. I do know that Thelma and I, my wife, and she would be here, but we were watching a Down syndrome young man here in town so that his mother could go away for a few days. They lost, she lost her husband a few years ago, and she just needs a break once in a while. But we've taken, during the week, one day a week, to pray for, there's five nations God's laid on our hearts. Of course, the United States, we lived in Canada and our Canadian citizens, um, Hungary, which is where I'm from, Uruguay, which is a nation that God laid on both thumb and my heart before we were even married, before we even knew each other, both of us, God spoke to us about Uruguay. And we knew that the time for us to go and minister there will be harvest time. I think it's getting close. I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know how it's going to happen. But we pray for that on Thursday and then Israel on Friday. And then Saturday and Sunday, we focus on sons and daughters more specifically in, in country. So, nations, let it be so for every one of us. Ask the Lord, if, if you haven't, Lord, what nations do you want to put on my heart? What nations? First, certainly America. But maybe there's some a nation, a nation you're from, an ethnic group. Put it on my heart. And let's believe God somehow. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I don't know. But he will do it. I do know this. Hungary. Um, I was born there. Uh, you're born hungry, yeah. I probably was too, but. So, so most of you might know my story, but if you don't, I'm just going to tell you, because it's, uh, so my grandfather was a, a professor, a 
the Mechanical School of Engineering in Budapest. He became the rector. In fact, I visited that school, the university, when I was there a few years ago, and they took me to the room where they had all the rector's pictures, and there he was, my grandfather. He was so well, he had a PhD in metallurgy. He was so well known in his industry and research that Woodrow Wilson of the United States invited him with other European scientists to visit some of the Northeast cities like uh, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, Buffalo, Detroit in particular. He and my grandmother had just been married. They're going to use this trip as part of their honeymoon. They got on a train in Budapest and went to England, but somehow the train got delayed. By the time they got to England, the ship had already sailed. My grandmother cried for four days and nights till they heard the Titanic had sunk. That's how close I came to not being with you today. But God was watching out for me before I was even thought of by man, just like he's watched out for every one of us to bring us to this moment. To bring us to this moment. So we visited since then a few times to Hungary. And I had a a vision, you could call it a vision, an open vision. And I saw myself over the city of Budapest, over the parliament, praying for the government, praying for the nation. And, and I don't know if I'm going to, I mean, I've preached there some, and, but I don't know if that's the way I'm going to affect it. But I do know that God is giving me authority in the spirit realm to see a difference come to the nation of Hungary. So that's the way that's going to happen. Uruguay, I think, I think, we'll see, maybe you'll have to go with me. I think we're going to go there sometime and rent a stadium and have a crusade. How, I mean, who am I? But I don't know. <laughs> but when it's harvest time, God's going to open the right door for every one of us, for whatever it is, however he's going to do it. Israel, God spoke to us. You're a bridge to Israel. So what does that mean, a bridge? All right. So so we had a chance to go there a number of times and stayed there for two, three months at a time at a, a house of prayer. And, and so we've, you know, what? <sighs> Disciple nations, that's what he said. And I think that's the day we're living in. You understand? Do you, are you feeling it? There's an enlargement, enlarging the vision, having a believing God for the impossible, for what looks crazy. God's given you a leader that loves crazy and is willing to take the risk. That's rare. Lord, let your glory, reveal your glory. Let it be upon us in a way that we've not experienced. And, and I, you know, I really believe the way it's going to work is today you said it, not much happened. Tomorrow you say it and everything happens. And you say, what was that? And he'll just say, that, that was me. <laughs> that was my glory. I'm now letting it work through you. Yesterday it didn't work. Today it works. That's what I'm looking for. Amen. So, Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I, 
We do pray for Papa Jack, Lord. Yes. What a blessing he is to all of us and how I've needed him. And I thank you for having Charlie introduce us to him. But today we, we just release your healing virtue to him. If he's still in that hospital, that those bones mend, that the, if there's any issue in the brain, that it be healed, the heart, that it be, just let healing virtue flow right now. We speak it to Papa Jack because we need him. We thank you for him. We thank you for everyone that's here. Thank you for the leadership. Thank you for every person, that, the call that you have on our lives. By your grace, Father, help us to believe who you say we are. And help us to really believe who you say you are. And we want to, we really want to have that intimacy with you. Nothing between your face and ours. You've made it available through Jesus and, and let us all experience it from the youngest to the oldest here. And Lord, may we bear your name well to everyone around us, a demonstration of who you are to our neighbors, to the ones we work with, and to the nations. We give you the glory and the praise for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church. To know more about us, go to identitychurch.net, where you'll find resources such as a calendar, media, and upcoming events. You may also download an app for your mobile device from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then from your mobile device, you can hear our messages, read from the Bible, take notes, connect with us on the social media, and even pay your tithe. Again, thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church.